So we're going to do session two today of our Master Gardening for the Soul series. And before we do get into the, the, the basic teaching that I want to share, I want to give just a little bit of review, very minimal. And I want to talk about where this title came from, Master Gardening for Your Soul. And it's based on 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Kent, this is, or Tom, this scripture is not on the overhead. The scripture says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. That word holy is sometimes translated sanctified. May the God of peace sanctify you or make you holy. The word sanctification or holiness means to be yielded to God, to be intimately connected to God. Sometimes the word is separated, but not away from God, separated away from the world. And, and the worldliness that is so big in our world and separated to or connected to God. So this scripture says that God himself will sanctify us or make us holy in every way. And then the next part says, and how does he do that? By making our whole, our whole spirit, soul, and body blameless that our whole spirit, soul, and body, all part of us, not just our spirit, but all of us, our spirit and our soul and our body, to be tended. The word blameless, kept blameless, means carefully tended and taken care of. This scripture says that God himself will carefully tend the garden of our heart. Spirit, soul, which is our inner man, our heart, and our body. And it goes on to say in verse 24, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. The other foundational scripture that I shared last week is third John two, which says, I desire God's saying to us, I desire above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. The prosperity of our soul directly affects the prosperity of our lives, the fullness, the richness of our lives, and our health. So our soul, having a healthy soul, is so important. And Father God is there to tend our soul. We're there to do it together. Because we have a free will. We have a choice. Last week I shared um, the truth that our spirit is perfected when when we're born again. But our soul and our body aren't. So during this series, my, go- my goal is that together we'll do some master gardening with God, with the Holy Spirit, with his word. We'll tend the garden of our heart, cultivate it, water it, weed it if we need to. You know, if you leave your, your garden or your vegetables untended, they get overtaken with weeds, with pervasive stuff. Many times there are roots that are pervasive. So it depends on what you plant. One time I made the mistake of planting mint in my herb garden. (laughs) Those of you who know anything about herbs, that was a mistake. I never did it again. It was pervasive. So the roots would go down and come up elsewhere. And my herb garden was, uh, was, everything was planted in one big area. And it took over. It took over everything. Because those roots went down, and I don't even really like mint. The reason I planted it was because some rabbits came and were eating my, um, my herbs. And I read somewhere that mint would keep them away. Well, I didn't have anything except mint. Because they had that pervasive roots. So what we're looking at during this session are roots. But we're looking at bad roots. The, the, a good tree is going to produce good fruit. A bad tree is going to produce bad fruit. So if there's yuck or bad roots, we want to know about it and let God himself, his word, his Holy Spirit do his thing to heal us, to make us strong and healthy and whole because Jesus came to give us a rich and a satisfying life. If you're not living a rich and a satisfying life, God has a better plan. I want to look at one more scripture before we get started. This is um, 1 John 3.8. This is um, one of the scriptures that talks about the purpose that Jesus came for. This is one of the purposes he came. Of course he came to save us. Of course he came 
to forgive us. Of course, he came to redeem us. But listen to this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The word works is the the devil's business or the devil's purpose or the devil's enterprise. And he did. Jesus did. He disarmed the enemy. He He defeated him. But he didn't destroy him. The enemy is still in this world. Little G, God of the world, it says in a scripture in the Bible. So what we're going to do is look at our part in commissioning with Jesus. We have been commissioned. We are Christians. That word literally means little Christ. Little anointed ones with his anointing. As believers, we have been commissioned with the authority, with the power to enforce the enemy's defeat. And that's what this is about. Um, I'm going to give you one little piece of medical research, and then we're going to get going. Medical research shows that the most common root of physical disease is what they call psychosomatic issues, which are physical disorders that are caused or greatly influenced by emotional or mental factors. So that's, that's science. That's medical science. But I love it when God and his word show the truth about what's going on in science. And that's what we're going to see as we just continue to, to look at, at emotional or mental issues in our life that might be causing physical issues, but Jesus has the answer for it all. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. He came to give us a rich and a satisfying life in every area. Isn't that good news? Okay. So last week, we talked about, we're gonna do, this is the second part of the, the root of wounding. We talked about specifically about father wounds last week. Today, we're going to talk specifically about mother wounds. But before we do that, I want to preface it with this, and that is that Um, there's a potential. There's always a potential every day to be wounded. Luke 1 says, Luke 17, 1 says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. There's, There's the potential for offenses. There's the potential for wounding. That doesn't mean we have to take the bait. Last week I, I, told you a little bit about my mother-in-law who was on a vacation with us and had a fall and had this very yucky wound on the shin of her leg when she fell and unknowingly treated it wrong. She put peroxide on it and bandaged it, which was fine the first time, but she continued to do that for a few months and it didn't heal. She ended up having to go to a wound specialist and the, the, the doctors told her that when she'd been putting that peroxide on, she'd been keeping it from healing because it killed germs, yes, but it also killed all the new skin growth. And so it wasn't healing. So when we talk about wounds, when we talk about potential wounds, there are a lot of times those, anything that's that's happened or any issues of life, you've already been healed. Just like, you know, I, I don't have any open wounds on my body. Anything I have had, it's healed. And many times the things in our souls is healed. But it's possible. It's possible that you may have something like my mother-in-law where there's something that's kept a wound from healing. Or it's even possible that it's become infected. When you have an open wound, there's always the potential for infection. That's what we're looking for. Not digging to look, but letting Holy Spirit reveal. We're only talking about father wounds and mother wounds, but know that the, the, the strategies we're talking about, the biblical truths we're talking about are true for anything, whether it is a work-related issue, whether it's a, a problem with, um, with the times and families. We were just talking before the session uh, so that with, with our political, um, um, what's the word? stuff that's going on in our nation right now. There's the potential for family factions or divisions. So it might be a family issue. 
So whatever the, the potential is or the, the thing that's there, whatever it is, this truth about wounding and about letting Jesus reveal and heal it is applicable. Okay, so let's look specifically now at mother wounds. And this is where your handout starts. The, the first part of the teaching is based on um, Jack Frost's work in his book called Experiencing Father's Embrace. It's a beautiful book about knowing the love of God. And um, so that's where this first piece of information comes from. It's an excellent, excellent book. Mothers, primary years of influence are from conception until age two and a half. A mother's role, her designated role, who God created us as women to be, very closely mirrors Holy Spirit's role in our life. God is a triune God, Father and Holy Spirit and Jesus. And the role of Holy Spirit, and this is from Scripture. You can go to John chapter 14 and find this. But the Holy Spirit's role is to be our comforter, our advocate, our teacher, our helper, our intercessor, our strength, and our standby. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He brings, he brings us wisdom. He guides us. He directs us. And the biggest part that I really want to focus on is that nurturing, that nurturing, that comforting. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter, the helper. And that very closely mirrors the role of the mother. A mother's love is this, this kind of love that the Bible calls storge love. You've probably heard of agape love, which is God's kind of love. You've probably heard of eros love, which is um, the, the um, passionate um, emotional love that a man and a woman feel for one another, the erotic part kind of love. But this is storge love. And this is the love of a mother for her child. It's a love that nurtures, that demonstrates empathy, that lavishes affections and tenderness upon her children. So when a mother naturally does that, that is a natural um, uh, part of being a woman and being a mother. doesn't always happen. We're going to go there in a minute. But it is natural. That's how God has created us to be. And when the mother gives the child that tender, nurturing, comforting love, it results in the child um, believing that the mom's there to comfort him, believing that the mom's there to take care of his needs and not not worrying or not questioning or not um, being not lacking it, just knowing that it's there. So when a baby's in their bed and they cry, they know a mama's going to come and pick them up, just because that's what mothers do. And so they grow up believing that and and trusting that that's going to happen. As uh, as we grow up, this is both sexes. As we grow up, that is also transferred to our walk with God. If we've had that real rich, comforting, nurturing love, we know that God is there to comfort us, to nurture us, to take care of us. And it's not hard to believe it and receive it. They're connected. Knowing a mother's love is closely connected to knowing Holy Spirit's nurturing storge love. So this storge love is demonstrated in three primary ways by moms. The first is through affectionate touch. Without that affectionate touch, the body and emotions become unhealthy. We need it. Affectionate touch communicates that you're important, that you belong, that you're valued. If a child has a lack of that affectionate touch, in later years it can result in that person allowing themselves to be touched in unhealthy ways. The second way that storge love is demonstrated is through eye contact. 
The eyes are the windows to the soul. And love is communicated through the eyes. If children don't receive that, if they don't have that eye contact, that love that is communicated through the eyes, it may leave a wound. And the way that the, the fruit of that wound could be awkwardness or insecurity or feeling separate or out of place in relationships. The third um, way that storge love is demonstrated is through tone of voice. Babies learn to bond and to trust when they have the, the nurturing voice, the loving voice that is encouraging and gentle and tender and empathizing. Just, you can just picture a mama talking to her little one. Loving tones nurture the soul. We're talking about the soul. Those loving tones of the mother nurture the soul and help the child feel accepted and valued. If they don't have that empathetic, nurturing voice from their mom, they can grow up with a fear of rejection or a fear of failure. So the power of a mother's storge love these are some of the things that happen with the love, with the storge love. One of the things is that it imparts faith in the child to trust the bonding, to trust that there is a connection. It also helps the child to know to receive and express love. If they've received that storge love from their mom, they can receive love from others and they can express love. Another impact of the storge love is it helps the child to, to develop a sense of belonging. A sense of believing in themselves and having faith to, to go out there and live and to overcome. It equips the child with the ability to conquer the fear of relationships to go into new relationships without fear and to lower a wall of self-protection. In other words, a vulnerability or a risk-taking to make connections or to, make, to develop relationships. That's one of the things that a mother's storge love helps a child to grow up with. Another important piece that is imparted is a sense of being. The first was a sense of belonging and this is a sense of being, which is a conscious awareness of security, a sense of being. And as a child receives storge love, it becomes natural for that child to be able to give storge love. They grow up with it, and then they can give it tenderness, nurturing, empath empathy first with their family, and then with others. If there have been a breach, in other words, something broke that, that bonding, that time of bonding, that time of nurturing love, if something got in the way of it, whether it was intentional or unintentional, it can leave wounds in a child's soul that can last a lifetime. And here are some of the potential wounds. The child or the young person or the adult or the 50-year-old may develop an inability to trust others and an inability to trust God. You may have an injury to your true sense of being, an inability to find your place in life, not confident or secure of yourself a feeling of not belonging or not able to discover your destiny. Not fruitful or empty. And the third thing is you may turn to counterfeit affections. Haven't received that affection you need. So you may turn to counterfeit affections in order to strive to get that need met. So it might look like addiction. It might look like uh, a workaholic. It might look like um, pornography. 
something to get that affection met, that need for affection met. I want to share with you right now um, uh, an example from our family of a child that didn't receive storge love. My family's huge. I have 50-some people on the Johnston side of my family. And there's, um, in my sister's family, uh, she and her husband had three girls, beautiful little girls, early in their marriage, and they were in the Air Force. And after they had had their three girls, they were stationed in Turkey. While they were there, my sister got very involved volunteering in an orphanage, and they adopted a little boy. They adopted him when he was three years old, beautiful little boy, his name's Luke. And as he grew up, some of these things started to um, manifest in his life that we just talked about that happened with a breach. He was in an orphanage. He did have a dad, but um, evidently his parents just couldn't take care of him. There was no mother in the picture. And he lived in it, and it wasn't, uh, there's good orphanages and there's not good orphanages. And his was the kind where he was just in the crib with no affectionate touch, no eye contact, no um, that, that tender voice. He just didn't receive any of that. When he got older, middle school, high school age, he um, ended up um, getting mixed up with drugs, um, with um, a crime that went with drugs. He left his family's home. He chose to, even before he was old enough to be out of his home, he left his family. Now, his family was really secure, loving, beautiful family. They still are. But he chose to leave. He went and um, just separated himself from his family. He uh, has tattoos covering his body. I, I don't even know how many tattoos. And he's become a tattoo artist. Um, and he's, he's a good boy, a good kid. We love this nephew greatly. And he's gotten himself together in a lot of ways. He's a daddy now. He actually has six kids, <laughs> a big family. Um, but again, it's that, just that, that, that need for affection, that need for um, being, having that, that thing that he didn't have fulfilled. When he was going through that really hard time in high school, um, he did go to some counseling, and their, their, um, uh, their name for this was um, attachment disorder, which is pretty much what we've just talked about. So I just wanted to give you a real-life example of, of somebody who's kind of lived through that. Okay, so the next thing I want to do, and this is very similar to what we did last week, we're going to go through uh, six or seven types of mothers. Now, these are very general. They overlap. My prayer, and I'm just going to stop and pray right now. Father God, I pray that as we just talk about this, that you, Holy Spirit... If there's any need, that you reveal it. That it's not us striving or digging, but it's you. If there's an open wound or if there's an infected wound, reveal it. We trust you, God, in your infinite love. We trust you, God, in your plan for redemption and fullness of life and healing to heal us if we have a need. So if there's anything that, that has been hidden or if there's any lie we've been believing, I pray, God, that you would just reveal it so that it can be let go of and healed this very day. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's why I'm sharing this, is just to let Holy Spirit, if anything stirs, it'll just give you the, the, the knowledge of what to pray and, what to ask, and ask God to, re, to re, heal it for you. Okay, so the first type of mother is motherhood rejected. Motherhood rejected refers to possibly, doesn't have to happen, but possibly with an unwanted pregnancy. Possibly with the timing of a pregnancy. Maybe it's very, very soon after one child is born, you find you're pregnant again and you're just not ready. Or it might have to do with the number of children. Maybe you weren't planning on that third child or that fifth child or that sixth child. From the moment of conception, the child receives the attitudes of the mother and the environment. So this important time 
between the child and the mother starts at conception. It's possible that this rejection of motherhood can be transmitted to the child in insecurity or rejection or abandonment. The next kind of mom is the needy, hurting mom. This is a mom who possibly has an emotionally absent husband, maybe a divorce situation, maybe the death of her husband. But because um, she doesn't have the support she needs, she's emotionally very um, needy. She's hurting. It's possible that the mother can look to the child to replace the needs that she needs to be met by her husband. And the children can literally become a surrogate for the husband. In that case, it's possible that the child is overloaded by that responsibility of of being the mother's emotional stability or maybe the responsibility that's put on the child. These are all just potential things. The third one is the the fill-in-the-gap mom. This is a mom who is being both the mom and the dad for whatever reason. Maybe the dad works a lot. Maybe the dad's not there. But whatever reason, this mom is overwhelmed with life. The next kind of mother is a smothering mom. This mom, with all of her heart, believes she's doing the right thing, but she's actually suffocating the children and overprotecting them and not allowing them to be free to grow up and make decisions for themselves. What can happen in the long run is the child is like stunted in emotional growth and doesn't continue to develop. I know when I was a learning consultant, I had a a general talk with a lot of parents about their level of... of, um, support with their children. And this is how it worked in my, my home. When our kids were little, and when they were, and I'm talking school age years, I supported them when they were in early elementary, all the way through about middle elementary. I supported them a lot. I, every spelling test I studied with them, every test that was coming up, I, I sat with them and you know helped them with it. When they had projects, we worked on it together. I helped them to plan their organization so that they didn't wait till the last minute and do it. And I, I emptied their backpacks, and I looked for notes, and I packed their lunch, and I put them in there. And I, I mean, I did all that. As they grew older, and this was natural, because this is how God plans it, I started to back off, and I didn't have to do as much. I had taught them well, and they knew how to do it on their own. And so I was able to do less and less and less and less. By the time they were in the middle school, I didn't help them study for tests. I didn't check their backpacks. I didn't pack their lunches. By the time they were in high school, you know, it was just a real quick check-in once in a great while. All three of our children grew up very healthy and independent. In fact, I will even say this. For those of you who have young kids, you might not want to hear this. (laughs) When our kids went to college, all three of them, they were I didn't realize this was happening at the time, but that was basically when they became completely independent. And none of our three kids came back after college. Now, we love our kids tremendously. They love us tremendously. But they were, even after college, in college, they would do internships during the summer. They would, our daughter went and did a study abroad in in Italy because she was a, a soprano singer. So they, they did stuff, you know. They, they went to an arts institute, and they, they were okay. They were off on their own. But that was the letting go gradually. This mom, the smothering mom, doesn't do that. She continues to hold on, smothering her children, and not letting them develop. The next one is called chosen child. And this is where a mother shows favoritism to a child. And it can result in resentment. I have another testimony. Um, I want to find it on here. I did get permission to share this today. Hopefully I can find it quickly. 
Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, last week, I did, uh, or two weeks ago, I did a, a, a inner healing session with this girl. And I'm keeping her name anonymous, but she told me I could share her testimony. This girl has a cultural, a different background than, than my background. She's from Pakistan. She moved here when she was in her 20s. She moved to the United States when she was in her 20s. So she came with all of the culture of her, of her Pakistani background. She has two brothers. There's two boys, two girls in her family. And the boys were treated completely different than the girls. And that's, that was a huge part of the ministry because she had all kinds of stuff that she was dealing with. And this is what she told me today. I asked her, because she shared last week that she feels completely different. And, and so I texted her and I said, can you give me a sentence or two describing your breakthrough? And this is what she said. Well, I feel like the chains around my heart have been broken. I feel no anger or frustration towards my parents. I feel this freedom from my parents' emotions and disappointment that I started to carry on my shoulders. God showed me that he is proud of me, and I realized that I have to make him proud first and foremost. So instead of trying to earn her parents' approval, which she's not earning or doesn't feel like she's earning, she says, it's all about God. And she feels like a chain has been broken. She had this, this, this chain, this captivity. Remember last week we talked about captivity and prisoner. Captivity is, is not your own doing, it's from woundedness or lies. Imprisonment can be your own doing, like unforgiveness or, or um, choosing to stay in a, a lifestyle of destruction or whatever. But this girl was held captive, and the chains were broken when she chose to let go of it, to hand it to God, to forgive, and to let go of it, and let God replace it for her. But there are many people many children who feel like there wasn't there wasn't it, it wasn't fair you know one child seemed to be favored over another the next kind of mom is an unwilling to release mom this is a mom who's strong and dominant and wants to maintain control over adult children it's not healthy i don't do that with my three kids sometimes i would like to <laughs> but we just we don't. The next kind of mom is neglectful and abusive. This mom is unaffirming, shaming, critical, or angry. Maybe this mom left you in the care of hurtful or dangerous people. Maybe she didn't see or believe you when you went to her for help. Maybe she was just too busy to see what you wanted or what you needed. And the last mom that I want to share is the absentee mom. And much like the absentee dad, if, if you're left without a mother for whatever reason, either through death or divorce or whatever the case, there is a void, just like my nephew Luke had. Okay. The model of mother wound ministry is the next thing on your sheet. And I gave you a, the full notes that you're going to see up on the screen. This isn't any magic formula. This is just a helpful guide. And if the Holy Spirit has been just bringing up anything in your heart as we've been talking, these are the, the steps that when I minister with people, I kind of lead them through this. And we're going to actually have um, Renee has offered, bless her heart, I'll call you in just a minute, Renee, to, to be very transparent and let God move in her heart if need be. And I told her, I said, if God shows you nothing, you say, nope, not getting anything. That's totally okay. We're not pressing or pushing or prodding. But if the Holy Spirit reveals something, we're going to pray through this. And Renee's going to um, let us do that in a minute. But I want to walk through these steps. So the first step is to ask Holy Spirit to show you. He may already have shown you as we've had this discussion tonight. But when you get home, ask him, Holy Spirit, is there any area that you want to help heal me with right now? It might be about my mom. It might be about 
family, you know, but is there anything you want to help me with right now? The second step is to make that choice to forgive if need be. If there is a hurt, if there is a wound, there's probably a need for forgiveness or God wouldn't have brought it to you. And remember, as we've shared on forgiveness, forgiveness isn't just saying I forgive, although that's important because our words are very powerful. But it's also important to let it go. That's how Jesus forgives. That's how he completed the forgiveness. He forgives. He lets it go. It's gone. He has remitted our sins. He has canceled our debt. And so when we make that choice to forgive, that's what we do. When I choose to forgive, I speak out everything I can speak out. As long as God's revealing things to me, I just speak it out until I feel like there's nothing left to to say. And then I say, okay, God, I just hand this all to you. The step after that is to say, what do you have for me in return? Because God just doesn't take stuff out. He fills it back in. He fills it back in. So in that garden of your heart, if there's pervasive weeds, he takes them all out, but he fills it back in. Today, um, I was, I always, oh, whenever I, I teach on something like this, God just starts stirring in me. So I was just praying through some things today that God was showing me about, um, about, about some things with, with my mom. And then I handed it all to God. And I said, God, what do you have for me in return? And he showed me. And this was very recent. Um, last weekend, I was with my mom. Kent and I went up. We try to visit as frequently as we can now because my mom's 87, my dad's 89. So we try to visit them as frequently as we can. They live about three hours up north. And my mom had a stroke several years ago, so she doesn't communicate real well, and she repeats herself a lot. <laughs> and one of the things that she kept saying over and over and over to me was, I just love it when you come. I just love it when you're here. You can come anytime you want. And when I, was, when, I, when I released this stuff to God and I said, what do you have for me in return? He just, he just showed me that picture again of my mom just loving me. My mom saying, oh, I'm so happy you're here. My mom smiling and saying, you can come anytime you want. And it, was just, it just blessed me so much to know that I was just bringing my mom so much joy just by being there. So um, he just showed me that. And that was the picture I got. And it made me feel wonderful. Um, So that's the next step. Then the fourth and fifth steps, we're switching gears a little bit, or the fifth and sixth, the last two. And this is where sometimes when we have an issue, we have, because of the issue, we have believed a lie. It's related to the wound. There's a lie that we've believed that's related to the wound. It might be a lie that, con- that God's connected to. For example, you might, for whatever reason, believe a lie that God's not there for you or that God's critical or that God's not nurturing. Maybe you don't feel the nurturing love of God. So we renounce those lies. It might have something to do with you. You might say, well, I'm just not lovable. That's a lie. But you might feel that way. You might say, "Um, I'm not worthy of God's love. That's a lie. So if there is a lie connected to that wound, let God reveal that and renounce it. Say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not believing that lie anymore. I renounce that lie. And tell God, say, I renounce that lie and speak it out. And then the final step is to have God replace it with truth. Then what's your truth, God? And he will replace it with truth. It's really important to write this stuff down because you forget it. And if you write it down, then you can continue to just keep your eyes on that truth. Keep your eyes on what God has given you and continue to feed on it and allow it to replace whatever it was, because that's how the healing gets really secure and deep in your soul. Okay, Kent, now you can turn the music on. I'm sorry, babe. I get distracted really easily. Kent knows that. If I'm working on anything in the study, there can be no music. <laughs> there can be nothing. It's like, 
I'm, that's just me. So now I ask him to turn music on and let you guys get distracted. <laughs> oh, Father God, I just thank you that you're so amazingly great. So amazingly great. And what we're going to do right now is, is just move into the time of corporate ministry. And, um, and we're just going to just do just what Renee just did. We're going to give you time time to ask God, time to, to listen in to him. If you have a pen or pencil, have it ready in case he shows you anything, especially when you ask him what he gives you in exchange or when you ask him for truth to replace lies. In that moment, have it, be ready to write it down so you can go home and meditate on it. So, Ken, are you going to get that music going? Thank you. So, Father God, just come. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. I know you're here. But I pray that we have ears to hear right now, that you just get rid of anything that is hindering us from hearing and seeing and sensing and smelling and tasting your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your love is so perfect. So the first thing I want you to do is just to go to the Holy Spirit in your own little prayer right now and ask him to reveal if there's anything in your heart that he wants to just show you right now and heal, especially in the area of mother wounds, but it doesn't have to be. He'll show you if there's anything he wants to heal, any wound that he wants to heal right now. you a series of forgiveness prayers for for moms they may or may not apply to you if they do just come into agreement with this forgiveness prayer and just say I agree I forgive my mother for not welcoming not welcoming me to life for not wanting to be pregnant with me I forgive you mom for not bonding with me I thought something was wrong with me but in reality you were just so wounded that you couldn't give to me what hadn't been given to you I choose to forgive my mother for not discerning my needs. I choose to give, forgive her for not comforting me when I cried, for not picking me up and holding me close to her heart. I choose to forgive my mom for not speaking to me with loving, encouraging, gentle, tender words and voice. I choose to forgive my mom when she was too busy to provide me with the love and the attention that I so needed and wanted. I choose to forgive my mom for not taking time to play with me or read to me or listen to me. I choose to forgive her for those times when I felt neglected, alone, or afraid and she wasn't there to hold me or comfort me. I choose to forgive my mom for not providing me a safe place when I was a child. I choose to forgive my mother for not protecting me 
from others in my home that hurt me or from bullies at school or in the neighborhood. I choose to forgive my mother for not protecting me from my father. some time for you to speak out anything else that you want to speak out in forgiveness. don't reject you. I honor you. I forgive you for you do not what you were doing. I release my mother from all harm done to me. And I lay down my disappointment, my resentment, my anger, my hurt, I let them go. I let go of my need to have my mother come to me to apologize to me or to pour out her remorse to me. I cancel the debt that she owed me. Holy Spirit, I hand you all the parts of the wounds, all of it. I hand you pain and frustration and anger. I hand you the hurt, the aloneness, the need. I hand it all to you and I let it go. I let it go. I release it. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me in exchange? Holy Spirit's handing you right now or showing you right now. It might be a picture. It might be a word. It might be a, 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 a just something that you sense like his love or his presence. Write it down right now. lies that you may have believed as a result of your mom or mother figure misrepresenting Holy Spirit to you. So would you just repeat these after me? Say, Holy Spirit, I renounce the lie that you don't love me. I renounce the lie that you don't discern my needs that you neglect me or that you leave me without comfort or security. I renounce the lie that you aren't standing by, ready to be my advocate or my teacher or my helper. I renounce the lie that you don't value my life or that you think something's wrong with me. I renounce the lie that you aren't there to protect me. I renounce the lie that you would reject me or abandon me. I renounce the lie that I can't trust you. 
Holy Spirit, I hand these lies to you. I let go of them. What is your truth? that has a truth that they want to share that Holy Spirit just told them? He told me, he says, I am your power. I am your strength. When you're not feeling strong, you got me, Cindy. When you're not feeling like you're adequate, you're adequate because of me, Cindy. Okay, we're going to um, now, this is going to be the closing of this, this ministry time. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And the, the blessings that, that God has intended for you to have, I'm going to, I'm going to speak over you. And then I'm also going to speak some of his word over you. So right now I speak blessings over you. Holy Spirit, release your blessing. Release right now. Within each of us, a picture of our true identity. The reality. This is reality. Anything else besides your identity isn't real. Holy Spirit, reveal your identity in us. And realign within us the very core of our being with your purposes and your future that you've already destined for us stir it up in our spirit God stir it up may we rise up into that truth of who we are in you and who you are in us Holy Spirit bless us with a sense of absolute security and belonging we are secure in you. We do belong to you. We are a daughter or a son of the living God. That's who we are. We belong to this family. We have a good daddy, a good mama. Holy Spirit, bless us with a revelation, a deep heart revelation of knowing your storge love your nurturing love your comforting love your affectionate touch your your gentle loving tone of voice and your eye contact god may we see ourselves in the sparkle of your eye Reveal to us, God, in ever-increasing measures, the depth of your storge love for us. And bless us, Father, that as we come to know that love, as we come to experience that love, may it grow up in us and overflow. May we not only receive it, may we also be able to express it. May we be able to express nurturing love, affectionate love, tender, kind, gentle love. Father, temper our words. May there be a new degree of temperance as we speak. That even when we, we need to um, have crucial conversations, we do it with love and respect. Because the Holy Spirit's in there. Because you reside in us. And it just flows. It just flows. Your love just flows from us.
I'm going to pray some scripture over you now. This is Isaiah 49. The Lord said, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should not have compassion on the son or daughter of her womb? Yes, they may forget. Yet, God says, I will not forget you. Behold, I have indelibly imprinted, tattooed a picture of you on the palm of each of my hands. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared from of old to me. And this is what he said. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. Psalm 139. God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And Psalm 71.6 says, Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I'm always praising you. And now I pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we may enter into the rest that we have been searching for all our life. I pray that we receive your, your storge love as you give us the things that our own mother was not able to give. Holy Spirit, we allow you to wash us, to bathe us in your affectionate love. We allow you to communicate with your eyes the depth of your love to our soul. Breathe it in. We breathe it in. We breathe in your love. We hear your gentle, tender, encouraging tone of voice. I pray that we receive your affirmations and your acceptance. I pray that we receive your nurture and your comfort. I pray that we receive you, your joyfulness, your pleasure in us. That we receive you taking all the seriousness out and pouring all the playfulness and joy in. And I pray that we receive you, drawing us, drawing us into a special place in your heart where we will never be forsaken. We will never be forgotten. I pray that we enter into your rest as your affectionate love saturates our soul and casts out all fear. In Jesus' name. So Kent's going to put on a, our, our worship song, and it's called Unchangeable. 
And it's about the love of God. This is all about God's love. This ministry to the soul is all about God's love.